Ready to start talking to your kids about financial literacy? Meet Greenlight, the debit card and money app that teaches kids and teens how to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest with your guardrails in place. Parents can send instant money transfers, automate allowance, and more. Plus, keep an eye on spending with real-time notifications. Join more than 6 million families building healthy financial habits together on Greenlight. Get your first month free at greenlight.com slash odyssey. That's greenlight.com slash odyssey. This is a Vault Studios production. I'm Spencer Brudig. I'm Will Johnson. I'm Jessica Knoll. This show contains graphic material and is meant for mature audiences. Oh, Suzanne, if anyone is out there that can hear this, that has you, please, we'll do whatever it takes to bring you back. We love you, we miss you, your girls need you. No questions asked. However much they want, I will do whatever it takes to get you back. Honey, I love you. I want you back so bad. Barry Morphew begs for his wife's safe return in a May 17th Facebook video posted on a page called Find Suzanne Morphew. That's because on May 10th of this year, Mother's Day, just a few weeks ago, the 49-year-old mother of two girls vanishes from Colorado after she leaves her Maysville home to go on a bike ride. The 49-year-old disappeared Sunday after investigators say she went out for a bike ride. She hasn't been seen since. Her nephew, Trevor Knoll, called into KUSA for a phone interview. He's been out day and night with search crews looking for his aunt. Every morning, early, we've been gathering and creating a game plan, and we just sent a bunch of teams out. We have our biggest crew yet today going out again. Um, We're working all day from when the sun comes up until the sun comes down, scouring every hill, every creek, every watershed, looking for our beloved family member and my aunt, Suzanne. We're going everywhere. We have teams going into into towns and into remote mountainous areas and every place in between, scouring the area, looking for any clue, and that's the game plan. And to and you know we're gathering together at the end of each day or as we can throughout and compiling everything that we find and building a stronger building a stronger plan for the next day and going out. Um, with a more coordinated effort. She was last seen wearing a green bike helmet, and a photo of her wearing that helmet and sunglasses is plastered on nearly every window and light pole in the county in hopes of finding her, along with three words, please help us. She is the sweetest, most loving person. Um, She's my aunt and the most wonderful, loving beautiful person inside and out, and we need her back to us now. A month later, the search continues. Salida is a small mountain town about 150 miles southwest of Denver, situated in the shadow of the Rockies in Chafee County. Very small community in Chafee County, which is also a very rural community. It's kind of in the mountains. The biggest town uh, in the county and around there is a town called Salida, which is uh, kind of a mountain town. It's big on mountain biking and hiking. And f- when I went up there, every, it was described to me by several people that it's the type of town where everybody knows everybody. Mark Salinger, a reporter with KUSA in Denver, has been covering her story and the latest developments in her case for the past month. 
He drove the two and a half hours from Denver to the small, tight-knit town. If you took a picture of Colorado and uh, asked somebody to point out a perfect town, that would be Salida. Uh, It's beautiful, nestled in the middle of the mountains at the base of uh, some of the tallest peaks in Colorado. There's a ton of uh, 14,000-foot mountains uh, right right around the town. They're called 14ers, and a lot of people flock to Salida to go hiking on those mountains. There's a ton of mountain bikers that are riding through the middle of town. There's, you know, oftentimes... Uh, You have to stop for more bikes than cars walking through the middle of town. Uh, And all the stores that are around there are family-owned, locally-owned businesses. Uh, There's one small street that has maybe a McDonald's and a Subway, but that's about it. Everything else is locally-owned businesses, everything from... Uh, you know, we stopped by the local pizza place uh, and somebody told us that they had worked with Barry Morphew over the summer. Uh, you know, we stopped by the local uh, confine- consignment store and said that, you know, they had seen that Suzanne Morphew had visited the store in the past, although they didn't know her personally. But it's, the again, the type of town that everybody knows everybody. Store owner Tammy Shepard displays one of Suzanne's missing posters in her front window. We're hopeful that she's found and that she's found safe. There's always hope. There's always hope. I know that there there's a lot of um, worry in the town, um, concern for what possibly could have happened, because we do feel like this is a safe, small town. Kids can just hop on their bicycles and go for a ride. When we were walking around uh, the main street there uh, in uh, the center of town, there's missing posters everywhere on every storefront. Uh, there was a, this is very Colorado, but there was a marijuana dispensary that had a giant sign that said, "Have you seen Suzanne Morphew?" and uh, her picture up there and the tip line number. So it's the type of town where everybody knows everybody. And this, the store owners, as we were talking to them in the center of town, had described Suzanne as somebody who came into their stores often, and uh, even though. Many of them didn't know her personally. They knew her face, and they realized that they had seen her in their stores and around town often. So when she disappeared, it was the type of thing that affected their town a lot. Uh, I talked to kind of the town historian, the pseudo-historian, and he told me, you know, this isn't the type of thing that usually happens there, which is, I guess, what you hear a lot in, uh, you know, cases like this that happen in small towns. You couldn't walk through the main part of Salida without seeing Suzanne Morphew's face. I mean, her missing posters are... Absolutely everywhere. They are on the storefronts of pizza restaurants and, you know, posters of her are at the local grocery store. I mean, her face is everywhere. And by now, everybody in Salida knows the name Suzanne Morphew, even if they haven't met her or even if they don't know her, they have seen her face. While he's in town, Mark talks to some shop owners like Tammy Shepard and Suzanne's disappearance has them on edge. I spoke to a lady who owns uh, one of the, uh, it's like a shirt printing store in the middle of Salida. And this kind of, this conversation hammered home why this is impacting everybody so much. She was telling me that everybody in that town owns a bike. Uh, You know, she was a middle-aged woman and she says that she goes out on a bike ride all the time by herself. And when she heard that Suzanne Morphew had gone out on a bike ride by herself and never returned, it hit her pretty hard. A lot of us women head out on our mountain bikes regularly to go for a ride, and the thought that you could just disappear is a really scary thought. She was talking about, you know, little kids that she knows that often go out and just ride bikes with their friends all the time. 
And the fact that this happened to her, to Suzanne, that she left and never came home while on her bike impacts everyone. For the Chafee County Sheriff John Spezzi, his top priority is finding the wife and mother of two. We've run foot searches using air support, canine support, swift water support, and we've also utilized countless hours of drone searches. We've used well over 200 personnel and over 2,000 man hours have gone into this search, but unfortunately we haven't found Suzanne yet, and as I stated before, that is our top priority. This large-scale search for Suzanne Morphew that now involves state, federal, and local law enforcement officers. In fact, the Colorado Bureau of Investigation and the FBI have searched several locations on a property in Salida to follow up on leads developed during the case, but were unable to make any new connections or develop any new leads. Police also seized the Morphew's house for about a week searching for clues, but if they found or collected anything from inside the family's home, they haven't said so. It took them a couple days to do whatever that they were going to do through it, and they then released it back to the family. What they haven't told us is if they found anything or if they collected any evidence from inside the home. They haven't even really told us what they were searching for or if they searched inside the home. The sheriff's office asked residents to hang on to all of their video footage from security and game cameras, as well as video doorbells between May 8th through 12th in case they need it for their investigation. There aren't necessarily security cameras or traffic cameras that investigators might use to help solve a crime in a larger city. So they're turning to the public to ask the residents in Chafee County to hold all of their security camera footage from May 8th to May 12th. They say that's in case it can help with any investigation. They haven't said if they've asked anybody for any of their security camera or doorbell footage, uh, but they are asking all the residents in the area to keep it. While her nephew did call into KUSA's morning show, no family members have spoken to the media on camera. But her husband, Barry, took to Facebook in a video, the one you listened to at the top of this episode. Mark describes the video. He was sitting down what looks like in the middle of the woods. And uh, the biggest part for me was uh, he says something along the lines of, oh, Suzanne, if anyone is out there that can hear this, uh, that has you, please, will do whatever it takes to bring you back. Oh, Suzanne, if anyone is out there that can hear this, that has you, please, will do whatever it takes to bring you back. And then he ends the message by saying, we love you, we miss you, your girls need you. So it's a plea, uh, hoping that she is still alive, that if she is with someone or if she sees the video, that somebody will be able to bring her home. We love you, we miss you, your girls need you. No questions asked. However much they want, I will do whatever it takes to get you back. Honey, I love you, and I want you back so bad. Police have found something in their search for Suzanne. Police um, have said that they found a personal item belonging to Morphew when they were searching in the Maysville area shortly after her disappearance, though they haven't said what that personal item is. Uh, Yesterday afternoon, which is Thursday, in the area of County Road 225 and Highway 50, we did find uh, items that we believe were personal items of Suzanne Morphew, and that uh, launched a bigger search we Uh, had today, which included the full closure of U.S. Highway 50 on Monarch Pass. In that search, we used uh, today well over 90 searchers that are well-trained individuals from both our local agencies as well as the FBI and CBI. 
We searched uh, over two and a half miles using grid patterns. Unfortunately, we found no other items in that area at this time. But because it is an ongoing open investigation, the sheriff will not reveal what those items are. There were rumors that maybe they had found her bike, and we've asked about that, but they have not been able to tell us whether or not that's true. Uh, There's been an extensive search going on now for almost a month, uh, coming up on a month uh, next week, and they really haven't released much information about what they found, if anything, or any information or any evidence that they found. They also searched in a lake uh, or a a small lake uh, near her house, Uh, and in those bodies of water, we've been told that they didn't find anything. Police have received hundreds of tips and are following up on each and every one of them, including a rescue dive team from a neighboring county searching water nearby and the search of that property under construction in Salida. It's about 10 miles from her home in Maysville. Uh, when I was there uh, up in Salida a couple uh, a couple weeks ago, it was about a week after her disappearance. Um, they were searching at a construction site about a mile outside of Salida. For days, they searched the waterfront property using forklifts to move material out of their way and brought in canine units to the scene. When we arrived at the scene that they were searching this uh, construction site about a mile outside of Salida, there are dozens of police cars there, and most of them are unmarked uh, law enforcement vehicles. Uh, The classic black Chevy Tahoe, or uh, in this area of Colorado, there's a lot of pickup trucks, so unmarked pickup trucks that are law enforcement vehicles. And there are guards from the Colorado Department of Corrections that had been brought in to set up roadblocks all throughout the area so that you couldn't really get closer than maybe a block away from the house. And they were also on the other side of the river, stopping people from coming to the other side of the river to see what was going on uh, during the search. So it's this beautiful, picturesque landscape right outside of Salida. It's right on a riverbank, you know, nice homes right around it. And uh, we're told that the property owners live in Colorado Springs and are not affiliated with this case whatsoever. And they were building a house uh, in Salida. And when police began searching there, uh, they dug through the dirt. They opened up a large square of concrete that you can still see uh, from our helicopter shots above it. Uh, There's it looks almost like, uh, you know, the slab of a home. and there's a part of it that is completely missing, and uh, we're told that uh, investigators have been searching through that. Now, they were searching that area and that property for three days, and they won't say if they found any evidence or anything. They will say, though, that they did not find Suzanne Morphew. Police did say, however, that the Salida property owner, where they searched, has been cooperative and is not connected to her disappearance. But like many small towns, the rumor mills are working overtime. This is a case that is kind of happened in the middle of nowhere. So it's not uncommon for somebody to go bike riding in the area and not necessarily see a whole lot of people while they're out. So a lot of people have been pointing to family members, perhaps the husband as a suspect, but the investigators haven't said if there's any suspects and there haven't been any arrests. So it's not fair to point any fingers at them. There are also rumors that a lot of people in town say, you know, this is an area that there's mountain lions, for example, and wildlife. And is that a possibility that a lot of, you know, that an animal may have, uh, you know, played a part in this? And We don't know if that's true or if there's any possibility that that happened. Investigators haven't said, but it's something that's on the minds of people there. 
The family has theories of what they believe may have happened, but aren't ready to talk about it just yet. I think it's best for the investigation and for the family and for the progress that we that we uh, keep it uh, keep it close um, and maybe not discuss it live right now. But we're making progress, and we are so far from giving up, and we are going to find her today. <sighs> but today, nearly one month to the day, Suzanne Morphew remains missing. As of right now, that's what this is, a missing persons case. There's been no homicide reported by police and no arrests have been made. And while rumors swirl through the small mountain town, police are staying pretty tight-lipped about the case. What the sheriff's office is saying publicly, however, is asking residents to keep their surveillance footage from May 8th through 12th in case it can help with their investigation. The sheriff is still hopeful that they will find Suzanne safe. We, we're certainly hopeful she is. Uh, Obviously, as time goes by, it, it gives us concern, but we're searching as though she's alive, and we do believe she should, still could still be alive. Family and friends are offering a $200,000 reward for information about her disappearance. Her nephew, Trevor, talks about that and makes his own plea to the public. Barry, Suzanne's husband, has put out a reward of $100,000 for her safe return with no questions asked, and a generous family friend has matched his offer, so we have $200,000 that we'll offer for Suzanne's safe return, no questions asked. I would implore the viewers, everyone, please go to Facebook and visit the page, Find Suzanne Morphew, facebook.com slash find Suzanne Morphew. We also have information about our GoFundMe page on the About section of the Facebook page, and the tip line is the most important. If you see anything, if you hear anything, if you saw anything suspicious from Sunday on until now, Anywhere in the state, anywhere that you are, please call the tip line, 719-312-7530. Again, if you know anything about Suzanne Morphew's whereabouts, call the Chafee County Sheriff's Office at 719-312-7530. If you see something you think is suspicious, call it, because you never know. And this is the same case. If you think it's important, call us. We're going to look into it. We have a lot of people working on this, and we're working on everything we can, and we just appreciate any help we can get. Want to teach your kids financial literacy, but not sure where to start? Greenlight can help. With Greenlight, parents can keep an eye on kids' spending and saving, while kids and teens use a card of their own to build money confidence. As a parent, you can send instant money transfers, set up chores, automate allowance, and more. It's a convenient way to run your household, customized to your family's needs, and the easy way to raise financially smart kids. Get started with Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com slash odyssey. Hello, True Crime Chronicles listeners. I'm Spencer Brudig, and I'm here with Jessica Knoll. Will Johnson is actually out this week. Uh, now, Jessica, you did uh, all of the legwork and investigation uh, and writing on this one. Uh, what are your initial thoughts on this case? You know, something that's interesting about this case with all the other episodes we do, normally there's either closure or if it's a cold case, it's an older case. This is actually uh, an open investigation. It's a very fresh case. And as you hear me talking to the reporter who's actually been there covering it and, and looking into it, investigating it, there's not a lot of information that's being given by police, although they are being very forthcoming with where they're at with the investigation. So I think this is one of those cases where, you know, our listeners, 
if you see something, hear something, think something, and you live in that area or you think you see someone that looks like her or anything like that, this is one of those cases where you could actually be that answer for this uh, community and the family. Yeah, it seems like there's a lot higher percentage chance that um, a listener or a community member could really make a difference. This isn't a cold case. This is new. This is only a month old, which is so rare. And to be able to talk with someone like Mark while he's in the middle of his journalistic investigation is pretty darn cool. Right. I mean, this just happened Mother's Day. So we're talking, I think, a, maybe a month to the day once this episode is going to air uh, of when she vanished. And, you know... Some people, I don't know, may think, oh, she went for a bike ride by herself. How how maybe odd that is. But in this community, that's actually a very common thing. It's a very mountain bike area, hiking area. As, as you heard, it's very mountainous. So, you know, everyone goes on these bike rides like she did. Only difference is, you know, she never returned. Right. And, and you know, one of the first things, I you know, growing up in kind of a community kind of similar to this. Uh, I did definitely did think possible wild, wildlife interference, you know, mountain lion, bear, but then that doesn't really make sense why it would be a month out. You know, you would find things uh, that, that would clearly tell you, oh, this is what happened. And that doesn't seem like that's the case here at all. Now, there were a couple of anomalies that I found in this case. Um, the one that really sticks out in my mind is the investigator's seizure of the Morphew family home for that week. Mm-hmm. Do you have any more context or clarity uh, about that no. That little piece of information? No. And, and you know, that's it's interesting you bring that up because... That was one of the things that struck me, too. You know, we've covered cases like this, and and even, like, specifically with Bardstown, the the podcast you and I worked on together. Typically, when they go in to investigate and and do searches on homes and properties, it's, it's a day, it's two days, it's three days. They usually don't seize the property for a week-long stretch, at least in my experience. And so that was an interesting... Uh, fact in this whole thing is that they took over their house for a week and we don't know if they found anything, what they might have found, what they were looking for. We just, you know, with it, again, being such a new, fresh case, we just don't have any answers yet of of what they found at either property that they had, had searched. Yeah, I mean, it's an aggressive amount of time, right? I mean, like you said, you know, we've seen in the past one, two, three days, some seizing, some seizing of computers or whatnot, but to actually put someone out of their home for a week, that's a lot of time, you know, and that's very interesting that they would do that, uh, but still missing persons case. And very thorough. I mean, right? yeah, very thorough. And yes, yeah, still missing person. And I, you know, it's, on that same kind of topic, the thoroughness of the sheriff, I thought something really interesting is the crowdsourcing of security footage. Because, you know, this case, it takes place in a small rural community. There's not a bunch of business or government-owned um, CCTV like you would get in a city. So, you know, investigators are asking everyone to keep their footage. And, you know, this is a privacy discussion in and of itself, but it's really interesting the implications of future crime solving as we add more and more personal cameras in our our communities. You know, it's harder for people to commit crimes without being on camera. And I thought that this was one of those times I have not really heard that. Yeah, that struck me as well. And I think 
when it comes to investigating these kinds of cases, uh, law enforcement is always looking for the community's help in in some way. And, you know, we've gone through social media and how reaching out through social media and things like that and tip lines and, and all that kind of stuff. But this was really... To me, something that I thought was interesting, too, that they had this time frame of, you know, that time when she disappeared and the days leading yeah, up. Yeah, May and, 8th through 12th, right? right? Yeah, right. it's those four days. And and the days leading up to that and, the, and those thereafter. And, you know, they asked for not just, like, any kind of security cameras, but also doorbells, which have gained such popularity, especially on the Internet. And then also game uh, cameras. So, like, this is a very big hunting town, like you said earlier, wildlife. So, apparently in this neighborhood, there there are a lot of cameras, uh, personal cameras. And to my knowledge, and according to Mark, we don't think that they have, we don't know if they've actually asked for any of those residents' cameras or, or footage. They're just asking them not to erase that footage just yet in case they do need it. Right. And, and that takes some real thought because a lot of those systems will automatically wipe after a certain amount of time. So they, they must be thinking that they will turn to that footage if they're asking everyone to keep it, I would think. Right, right. And then, you know, I, the, the last thing for me is, you know, we always try to give people the benefit of the doubt and we know that people react differently to difficulty and trauma. But one of the things, again, that stuck out in my mind was Barry, Suzanne's husband, um, that he mentions in the plea video like that there's a ransom. Did did Mark mention why that might be or provide any clarity into why he made that statement in his video plea? Not at all. He makes the comment, I think, something along the lines of, you know, we'll, we'll pay any amount or, or something like that. And um, no, to my knowledge, there hasn't been a ransom. Um, but that's not to say that there hasn't been, because like I said, and Mark says also in this episode, the sheriff is being very tight-lipped about what they give out to the public and what they hold close to the chest. And and as you know, in reporting these stories, it's really important for them to keep certain facts and information that they uncover close to the chest because or close to their vest because uh, you never know what tidbit of information is going to lead them to finding her. And so they don't want to jeopardize that at all. And I, I will say, you know, in the press conference, I, I, I watched the full press conference with the sheriff and you hear him in this episode. And he does say that the the husband, Barry, um, has been cooperative and, and he hopes that it continues to be to, to go that way. Yeah. Well, I, great uh, work on this episode. Uh, you brought it to us. And one plug for this is, you know, if you like True Crime Chronicles, if you like this episode, please, you know, go ahead and give us a like, give us a subscribe, tell your friends and family. Uh, we're really trying to grow our user base. And speaking of growing our user base, Jessica, where can people go to learn more about this case and other cases like it? We are all over social media. We're on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We also have a Facebook group called Inside the Crime Vault. You can go there, discuss this and other cases, tell us some cases you think we should be looking at, and make sure that you're going to the Facebook pages that we mentioned in this episode. And if you know anything, go to those pages, call the tip line, and let them know anything you can to help out. All right, Jessica, thank you so much. And uh, to our listeners, we will see you next week with a new case and a new story.